Welcome to the Faith and More podcast. This is a trans-denominational podcast. All are welcome and safe here, no matter what your faith is or isn't. My name is Reverend Angel Wise, and I'll be your host. I am an ordained licensed minister with the Fellowship of Celtic Catholic Churches International, founder and director of the Oblix Perpetual Light, a life coach, intuitive healer, and Kabbalist. I firmly believe this divine works through people every day to help us. These angels and saints are so very humble, many of us don't know they exist or existed. Each week we'll explore the lives of these amazing beings. We will also explore topics that can help your faith, no matter what it is or isn't. The goal of this show is to inspire, encourage, educate, uplift, strengthen, and heal you and your faith, no matter what it is or isn't. So be sure to follow and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Enjoy the show. And welcome to the show, everyone. How is everyone doing? I so hope and pray that you all are well, blessed, and that you had a great and productive week. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're new to the show, infinite thanks for tuning in and listening and for finding us and for your interest. I so hope and pray that you find everything that you're searching for in a podcast, especially a faith-based podcast here and more. And if you're returning, you guys know the drill. I can't thank you all enough. If and a thanks, blessings and love to each and every one of our longtime listeners. It is because of you that this show is here. So, show of hands, how many of you remember the show that used to be on TLC, which is a cable channel? I think at one time it was called The Learning Channel. I don't know if it's still called that or not. But a show called Shalom in the Home. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> don't see many people. I guess it's maybe why it only lasted two seasons. But this used to be one of my all-time favorite shows. It was only on for two seasons, from 2006 uh, through 2007. And it was hosted by Rabbi Shmuley Botek. Uh, Rabbi Shmuley uh, is just a truly amazing being. He is an Orthodox Jewish rabbi, and um, he hosted this show where um, he would meet with couples that were having marital issues or relationship issues, and he would help them to resolve those issues. Again, bringing that shalom, which means peace, in the home. And again, like I said, it was just a, a truly amazing show. And uh, although the show is long gone, he has not missed a beat, as we're going to see from the article I'm going to be reading today. I should say the interview that I'm going to be reading from today. Rabbi Shmuley was born in 1966, so he's three years older than I am. Uh, but he is married and has been married for quite a while and has nine, nine <laughs> children. Whew. <laughs> He's a busy man. He is among many things other than a rabbi. He is a, a non-violent religious freedom fighter. And what I mean by that is he advocates and fights tooth and nail for all kinds of faiths, not just the Jewish faith. And again, we're going to find that out here in the article. I'm so happy to be able to do a show on Rabbi Shmuley. I mean, if he wasn't such a celebrity, I would I would have called him up to see if he could do a show. But yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to do that. But anyway, Rabbi Shmuley, if you just happen to be by some Adonai miracle, be listening to the show and you would like to be on the show, please contact me. My contact information is at the end of the show. At the end of every show, I would be beyond blessed to interview you and just chat with you on the show. So oddly enough, the article or interview I'm going to be reading from um, is from, I believe it was 2015, something like that, because it was just after the 2012 um, presidential candidates were announced. Uh, but anyway, it is from a Mormon news group, and it's called 
the Deseret News, D-E-S-E-R-E-T News. And I will definitely have a link to it, as I always do with everything that we share uh, in the show notes. And it is titled A Midnight Ride with America's Celebrity Rabbi. So just to give some background information before we begin is uh, Rabbi Shmuley knows the interviewer's father. So therefore, he knows of his him being a Mormon and knows his father and, and knows of the Mormon faith. And that's the great thing about Rabbi Shmuley is he is very well versed in many different faiths, including Vedanta, which I, that blew my mind when I discovered that. So the interview begins. Of course, this is at midnight. It had all the markings of a puzzling dream. It was 1 a.m. in Manhattan, but the big bearded blue-eyed rabbi on the bike ahead of me was very much real. You've got to come see this park before you go, he insisted. So I found myself trying to keep up as we pedaled along the Hudson River. When we reached a lamp-lit park overlooking the upper bay, the rabbi returned to his favorite topic of conversation during my visit. You know, you Mormons really seem to have it figured out, Rabbi Shmuley Botek told me, noting the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, emphasis on family, its largely lay ministry, and its zealous proselytizing efforts. Had it not been at least his 20th reference to my faith during our visit, the comment would have seemed more whimsical, but Rabbi Shmuley who Newsweek once dubbed the most famous rabbi in America, unbashedly loves Latter-day Saints. Just earlier this year, while taking a road trip to Yellowstone, Shmuley stopped in the Utah mountains to record a video message for his own 869,000 Facebook followers. He says the Mormon church and the Jewish community are brothers. He declared before musing about the Latter-day Saints health code, the word of wisdom, and the faith's practice of family home evening. And then there was the occasion when Shmuley met with then church president Gordon B. Hinckley and encouraged him to reopen Brigham Young University's campus in Jerusalem amid Palestine's second Antifada. Reopening would be an act of solidarity for the Jewish people, the rabbi told the prophet at Temple Square. Students were welcomed back to the campus months later, though Shmuley doesn't flatter himself with any credit. Two decades later, Shmuley's memories of President Hinckley and the 2002 Winter Games are as fresh as ever, perhaps because visiting Utah's outdoors is still a frequent ritual for him and his family. Even so, the last two decades have placed him on a unique trajectory. He ran for the U.S. House of Representatives in 2012, winning the Republican Party nomination, but losing the general election. He hosted a TLC-aired reality TV show, Shalom in the Home, where he parked an RV in the driveway of troubled families and offered counseling, serving as something of a Jewish Dr. Phil. Well, he's, he's much, much better and real. In 2009, he published the Michael Jackson tapes, some 30 hours of transcribed conversations between the two from Shmuley's tenure as Jackson's unofficial spiritual advisor. But between his political involvement, his media ventures, and his 30-plus books, Shmuley refuses to retreat from the public life. In fact, he's on the verge of releasing yet another book next month, Kosher Hate the latest in a long line of kosher titles, this one challenging our common conceptions of forgiveness and evil. And as religiosity declines in some pockets of America, my conversations with the rabbi about his new book and his role in American life, excuse me, American life, reveal a man unapologetic about bringing his full religious self to the public square. And it's true. Remember, I said he is a nonviolent religious freedom fighter, and he doesn't back down from anyone. He is such an amazing sage. I mean, this guy not only walks the walk, but he can talk the talk as well. So Rabbi Shmuley began teaching at Oxford and began attracting a lot of people. And he would host um, 
just gatherings um, at his home near the campus. And friends eventually bought, brought friends, and some friends brought Gentiles, including Booker, a Baptist, and my own father, which is the, you know, the person here that's uh, doing the interview, a Latter-day Saint, who was also a student there. Shmuley, like any good campus minister, welcomed all with open arms, Jew or Gentile. When my father introduced him to the Latter-day Saints missionaries, Shmuley told them, when people disrespect you, know that you will always be respected here. The elders returned regularly. Oxford was a tough place for missionaries, Shmuley notes. One missionary in particular bonded with the rabbi. The young man's father served as commander of the U.S. Air Forces in Europe during his son's mission years. When Shmuley discovered this missionary's heritage, he was baffled. You mean all along when these people spit on you and kicked you and abused you, you could have ordered an airstrike? No airstrikes were ordered, but when Shmuley's higher-ups ordered him to remove all non-Jews from the Lachem Society, the young rabbi refused. And this is where he gets into trouble because um, he's actually gone against the higher-ups of his own religion. Doesn't that story sound familiar? A Jew going against the higher-ups in the Jewish faith and community? Hmm. After a decade at Oxford, and after ruffling more than a few feathers, Shmuley returned to the U.S. with a souvenir, the Times in London's Preacher of the Year Award. Back home, he leaned more fully into a new identity as America's rabbi, carving out a public ministry. Instead of leading congregations, he wrote best-selling books and appeared on radio shows. He was hired as a spokesperson for a Jewish dating website and appeared on TV as a guest for Oprah, Dr. Phil, and Larry King. Once Jay Leno gave a copy of Shmuley's book, Kosher Sex, A Guide to Relationship Intimacy, to Dennis Rodman. Today, Shmuley doesn't shy from his celebrity role as a rabbi. He, his aim isn't to change Orthodox Judaism or its tenets, he tells me, but to make it more widely accessible. He was the first Orthodox rabbi to be a full participant in celebrity culture, which was a reality TV show, celebrity friendships, and an unwinnable political campaign, Noah Feldman, the Harvard Law professor, who knew Shmuley at Oxford once told Tablet. But not all in the Orthodox Jewish community or those adjacent to it are fans. One story in Vice dubbed him the world's most controversial Jew. Some prominent American rabbis called his book, Kosher Jesus, heretical and forbade Jews from buying it. When Kosher Lust was released, a sequel to Kosher Sex, a column in the Israeli newspaper, Haaretz begged to get this guy out of our beds. In an interview with Vice, Shmuley mused about the discomfort his work has sometimes caused. Religion has its way of doing things, he said, and when you veer from that, you rattle the cage and people feel uncomfortable. If Judaism really is for everyone, as one of Shmuley's best-selling books postulates, the back patio of Shmuley's seven-story condo on Manhattan's Upper West Side makes that claim literal. Instead of an intimate family Shabbat dinner, I could have been attending a block party between the singing and laughter and conversation polluting from below. The upstairs neighbors aren't always fond of these Friday night gatherings. People throw eggs down at us sometimes, Shmuley jokes. But like Shmuley's forays into the public square, approval and privacy are of no concern. This Shabbat celebration, the Jewish family night, as the rabbi described it to his Latter-day Saint journalist, boasted an eclectic roster of guests. There was Shmuley, his wife Debbie, their sons and daughters, two son-in-laws, and three grandchildren, all practicing Jews. Shmuley and Debbie have nine children in total. Across the table, two chairs down from me, sat a family friend, the daughter of a woman who Shmuley helped to escape from Afghanistan several years ago. She now studies at a local university, 
Throughout the dinner, a handful of other guests, friends and family, shuffle in and out. When the rabbi offers Kiddush, the blessing over wine to sanctify the Sabbath, he generously offers to drink extra wine for the Latter-day Saints. Otherwise, at the table, ask dumbstruck, you can't drink wine? The rabbi answers for me, offering the gatherings an impromptu lesson on the Latter-day Saint health code. No alcohol, no tobacco, no coffee or tea. He then launches into a comparative analysis, drawing parallels between our two faiths, the shared focus on community, family, the Sabbath, and religious dietary restrictions, among other things. He concludes with a smile. Yeah, being a Jew sucks worse. Everyone at the table laughs. This rabbinic ecumenicism and humor was once a daily fixture in many Utah homes. In 2005, Shmuley debuted his own talk radio show on KUTR in Salt Lake City, then owned by Bonneville International, a subsidiary of Deseret Management Corporation, which is this publication's parent company. Every weekday, he spent three hours as host from his home in Inglewood, New Jersey, taking calls from dozens of Latter-day Saint women in Utah about relationships, and families, and marriage. He's like a cheerleader for the American housewife, one listener from Orem told the Daily Herald. But the show lasted only five months before Shmuley, Shmuley excuse me, was dismissed. Shmuley says he was fired because he unexpectedly turned a KUTR organized speaking event in Salt Lake City into a meet and greet for Hurricane Katrina evacuees, welcoming them to Utah and connecting them with local resources. Rod Arquette, however, then vice president of Salt Lake Radio Group, told me that Shmuley just didn't seem to fit the station's overall programming plans. Things worked out nicely for the rabbi, though. Shmuley got another stab at radio when Oprah offered him his own show on her XM station, Oprah and Friends, in 2008. But Shmuley's relationship with Utah hasn't sourced, or excuse me, hasn't soured. Just months after his radio show's cancellation, Shmuley brought writer and Holocaust survivor Eli Weisel, or Weisel to lecture at Snow College. When I asked about his KUTR stint, Shmuley was careful. I'm not here to unearth old scabs, he said. Shmuley is, despite his many hats, first and foremost, a deeply devoted rabbi. He holds his religious beliefs and practices central to his identity. You have to remember, I'm paid to be a Jew, he told me, with deadpan humor. So unless you Mormons can make me a better offer. But rather than seeing faith as a barrier to the outside world for Shmuley, it's a passport to engage it. Had Shmuley won his 2012 bid, for a seat in the U.S. House of Representatives, he would have become the first Jewish rabbi in Congress. His campaign to represent New Jersey's 9th District was built on the same things he preached as a spiritual leader, an emphasis on stronger families, economic self-reliance, and, as he puts it, traditional values. The son of a divorced parents, Shmuley saw the country's divorce rate as an American tragedy that no one talks about. One of his campaign promises was tax-deductible marriage counseling for all Americans until the U.S. divorce rate was cut in half. Wow, bless him. And it's, uh, it's so sad that that didn't come to be because, yeah, I mean, you all know and you all feel um, how marriage is to this day. It's, it's a dying thing. It really is. For those who uh, take the vows very few keep the vows and end up being divorced. And the, like I said, very few take the vows. Generations now are so um, afraid of commitment because they've grown up in a commitment fear um, world and family. You know, their parents weren't committed. They're from broken homes. This world is not committed for anything other than making the rich richer and the poor poorer and um, the rich healthy and the poor dead. You know, we could have cured cancer a million times over. Did we? Have we? No, because it's, it's a money-making thing. 
uh, world poverty. I mean, look at all. I mean, this is nothing against Ukraine. Please don't take it that way, folks. Look at the billions, billions for the B of dollars we have sent to the Ukraine. If a fraction of that money was used for just poverty in the United States, it'd be done. There would be no more poverty. There'd be no more hunger. I mean, worldwide, look at all of the money worldwide. If they put just a, a penny of what the big techs and people who are in high, high-ranking places would put towards poverty, sickness, the world that could change overnight, literally. But again, why don't they do this? Because it's making them more money. Not that they would think that if you could be a group of people that literally turned the world end over end and made it a better place, if you ended poverty, if you ended world hunger, don't you think people would support you more? People would worship you, literally would worship you as some worldly god, which they shouldn't do, but um, you know, they would. They would be so popular amongst the people that are suffering. It's time for schmoolification of the Ninth District, Shmuley proclaimed at the end of one debate. But his purpose for running, he says, was not egotistical or self-aggrandizing. Aggrandizing. Instead, he wanted to translate values to policy. And his approach to politics wasn't all too different from his religious mantra. Rabbis have to push communities also to think differently, he continued. America needs new ideas. Religions need new ideas without compromising their core principles. I'm into that. I, I could not agree with him more. And that's why we see such issues with religion today. All faiths suffer from people not following faith anymore or prescribing to religion anymore. Um, you know, especially, you know, you know, big religions, organized religion, because they've been burned so badly. Uh, they have, you know, church hurt so badly, or they know someone who has church hurt, or they go, um, you know, as I've given examples in previous shows, when I attempted to return to the Roman Catholic church, um, you're just ignored or you're only seen as uh, a contributor. You know, what can you give to us? Not what, what can we do for you, but what can you give to us? How much money do you have? How much money can you give? And that's tragic. And it has to change. And I agree with him. It's not just rabbis that need to get out and change things. It's everyone, you know, anyone who of your faith. And as we talk about on this show all the time is the importance of living your faith, you know, and it's not going around, like I've always said, and, and hitting people upside the head, you know, with a Tanakh or a Quran or a Bible. It's sharing with them through your actions, which is your speech, what you physically do. I mean, that's the best way to help others see your faith. Because as I said, and I always will say, you're around somebody long enough and you're doing this, they're going to be gravitated to you like a magnet. And they're going to inquire and ask you, how and why do you do what you do? How and why are you the way you are? And that, my brothers and sisters, is when you can gently, don't open the floodgates, just a little bit, just a little bit of trickle. You don't want to blow them away, which I'm... I'm so guilty of, <laughs> I, you know, me folks, listen to the show, you know, I, I, my floodgates are broken, <laughs> so it's, but you get my point. I hope and pray that, you know, it's an opportunity to share with others your faith and how you are, and you don't have to put a label on it. You know, labels are very constricting and restricting. When you put a label on it, you put it in a nice little box. You know, I like to think that our faith, you know, what it truly and naturally is cannot be contained, cannot be labeled. It transcends everything. That's why this show is a trans-denominational show. 
this show and everything we cover, although a lot of it is Catholic, transcends any individual religion and faith. To Shmuley, a religious leader dabbling in the political realm was simply an extension of his calling to fight for values, an opportunity to complete the trifecta in influencing three of America's principal institutions of religion, media, and politics. Others questioned his chances. Might he finally be selling out? One Washington Post article posited a prominent pollster called his electoral hopes extremely unlikely. The Wall Street Journal labored, excuse me, labeled his social views provocative. By the time we returned from our moonlight bike ride, it was approaching 2 a.m. in the city. That never sleeps, and it seems Rabbi Shmuley doesn't either. I accompanied him to a local corner market to pick up a handful of items for his wife, Debbie. She's a saintly woman and far more reserved of the two. Shmuley once wrote that before the publication of one of his more provocative books, Debbie told him, you publish that book, I will be so embarrassed. I'll run away and become a Sherpa. <laughs> She's still running, Shmuley informed me. <laughs> he pursued or perused the meats on display, then grunted. You really should get some kosher meat here, he said. And the man behind the counter offered a half-asleep nod. This neighborhood is full of Jewish families, Shmuley told me as we left the store. And the least a local grocer could do is recognize that reality. The kosher meat or not, the Jewish sense of community is strong here, he says. In the face of an uptick of anti-Semitic acts in the United States, Shmuley believes his work fundamentally about building community even amid a pandemic that means sometimes live streaming in spandex biking shorts sparring publicly with famous singers over israel and debating the world's leading atheist over the existence of god none of that makes life easy and there are constant reminders that supporting israel supporting his people and community shmuley says is not always politically proper even among Jews, which make up just 2% of the American populace, Shmuley is the minority, a pro-Israel conservative, while most American Jews are Democrats. As we turned the corner toward his apartment, the Israeli and American flags, which hung side by side from the front facade, glowed in the light of an idling police car. We get pretty frequent death threats, Shmuley muttered to me as we approached as casually as a comment about the weather. They come to check on us, Shmuley marched up to the window and waved at the officers in front. Thanks for keeping us safe, he said. Shmuley had one last thing on his agenda. Let's take a picture, he said, and we posed next to the bikes. We smiled as the camera flashed. Let's take another, he said, but this time... Let's do the Mormon smile. <laughs> What's that, I asked, and the rabbi proceeded to do a cheesy, all-teeth-showing grin. You Mormons are always happy, he said. Us Jews are still suffering. Come morning, the police car was gone. Mishmuli was undeterred, still flying his Israeli flag out front, prepping for his book launch, riding around the world's culture capital in his kippah. Or excuse me. Kippa. I need to learn these things. Yes. <laughs> yes, you do. You need to learn more than that. I tell you, boy. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, everyone, everyone, uh, Rabbi Pep Pep had to make a, a brief appearance. So there we go. Okay. So folks, so that was the article, but what I would like to do is share some quotes or teachings from uh, Rabbi Shmuley. Um, we do this, we tend to do this or like to do this, I should say, when, um, you know, the, the article or whatever information I'm using doesn't, you know, run very long. Um, so, and again, this helps us to better understand uh, the person that we're showcasing and, and get to know them more and deeper than any interview or article could possibly uh, um, do. You know, what better way to know someone than through their own words and actions. So in this uh, quote, he says, 
There is a greatness in doing something you hate for the sake of someone you love. And that's, that's, um, that's amazing right there. I mean, how many of us, you know, um, you know, especially, you know, those of you who have had to take care of a family member, a uh, long-term who was invalid, um, had to be their caretaker. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it was a very hard and dirty, literally, job, and you hated it, but you did it because you loved the person. And, you know, that, you know, I don't like to focus on merit, but the merit gained by such an act is just off the charts. Um, those of you of Eastern um, faiths know karma. I mean, that's such an amazing um, way to get such great positive karma is by doing selfless deeds and helping those you love. And, you know, that's, and that was a quote that he did about relationships. And it's important that we should do all that we can for those that we love, you know, regardless of how we personally feel. I mean, again, be selfless, be Jesus, be whomever or whatever you focus your faith on, or if you don't focus your faith on any human being, then focus it on just love, absolute and unconditional love. When you unconditionally love someone, that's it. It's unconditional. It's without terms. It's without demands. It doesn't ask. It's not a quid pro quo of I do for you, what are you going to do for me kind of thing. The next quote, he says, the best gift we can give each other is the gift of time, those precious, special, eternal moments. I'm into that because we all do not realize how precious and valuable time is. Um, a great analogy that I, I've loved for so long um, is if you envision, let's, let's take a walk together. Envision that we are, or imagine, we are walking up to a stream, okay? The stream is gently flowing. And no, I'm not going into a nursery rhyme song. <laughs> we lean down or kneel down, and we dip our hand into the stream. Now we pull our hand out. We wait a few seconds. And we dip our hand back into the stream again. Our hand is dipped into the same stream. Yes. But is it the same water? No. You cannot dip your hand in the same spot in that stream twice. If you don't live near a stream and you want to physically do this, go to your kitchen or bathroom and turn on the faucet. Run the water. Put your hand under the water, pull your hand out, wait a few seconds, put your hand back under the water. Is it the same water that touched your hand before? No, but it's still water. Yes. <laughs> I know that analogy can go for a lot of things and, and we will, we'll use it in the future. So just hang on to that one. Uh, but again, what it is, is time. You know, we get into the, the media, our world lulls us. Literally, a lullaby and a program and a hypnotic song of the sirens that time is always, it's eternal. There's tomorrow, don't worry about till tomorrow, don't worry about till next month, don't worry about till next year. And I'm not saying don't make plans, but what I'm saying is those things lead us to not living fully in the moment fully in the now, fully in this stream that we are standing in at this very moment. And that's life and time. Time does not stop for anyone. It can't be replaced. It is an eternal gift, as he said. It's special. It's precious. It is the greatest gift you can give anyone, literally, is your time. Because why is this? because you're actually giving them 
your life. That is time in your life that you have now, but will never have again. It's a very, very sacred gift. And it's a shame that it's not seen that way. But it's something we can all work on. Yes, yes, including me. The next quote is, our lives are nothing but a short span of time. And if we spend tons of time earning money that we simply throw away, then we're throwing away part of our potential. And that was for inspiration, self-determination, and self-help. I couldn't agree more. I mean, how many of us, you know, spend the bulk of our lives raising my hand uh, on earning a living? And where has it gotten us? I spent, again, not to make it about me, but just to give an example, I spent 30 years in a job that was extremely dangerous, um, not knowing from night to night if I was going to go home to my family or if I was going to be taken out on a stretcher or in a body bag. I mean, it was that serious. Those of you who are longtime listeners have heard me talk about this before. I won't get back into it again. But, uh, you know, it's one of those things I still have nightmares about quite often, you know, about that place, um, even though the place is long gone. It has been completely torn down. It is a vacant lot or a going to be a dog park soon. So where did that get me? 30 years of my life focused on that job. Where did it get me? Yes, it paid the bills, but it's no longer there. All of the work I put into that place, all of the love, care, and attention is gone. Literally, it's gone. There's nothing there. But what did it end up getting me? Heart failure. It's a major contributor to my heart failure was the stress all over those years that I went through. And it almost cost me my life. But it did cost me years of my life. It cost me years of my life with my family because of the stress. I did stupid, beyond stupid. We'll just say asinine things um, that most people would never forgive me for. Um, but my wife is a true saint, and so is my son, and they love me unconditionally. Um, so, again, this is what I'm saying is don't be a slave to your job. Don't be a slave to your job. And I recently did a sermon on that. If you want to go to our YouTube channel, information at the end of the show, and you can watch that where I talk about um, going from slavery into exile and then to the promised land of our lives. Next, he says, it is far better to marry the right person at the wrong time than the wrong person at the right time. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. Again, just giving examples, not talking about myself. Uh, Haven and I met uh, when we were 17 years old. We had plans to get married right away at 17, but things did not go as according to plan. Um, she was pregnant and ended up miscarrying. Um, we ended up moving to Georgia uh, for six months and then was abandoned down there. And with no home, we were homeless. So we had to come back to where we, you know, the area where we live now. Um, and it was very hard, very difficult for us. Uh, we were finally able to get on our feet enough to afford to purchase a marriage license and have a wedding at a justice of the peace. And this is something I'll have to have Haven on the show to tell you all about because she tells the story far better than I can. But she was laughing through the entire ceremony. Why? Because the justice of the peace that we went to had paintings on the wall of like a farm scene and it looked like it was done by grade school kids and the floor was covered with patio grass. Those of you who are familiar with patio grass, it's a plastic grass that's put down uh, like carpet or a throw rug. And she literally laughed through the entire ceremony, which made me wonder, was she laughing because she doesn't want to do this or nervous? No. This uh, this uh, uh, November 
we will be married 36 years and together 37 years. So I completely and utterly agree with Rabbi Shmuley as far as <laughs> it's best to have the right person at the wrong time than the wrong person at the right time. Uh, he continues on, and here's another one. Freud said he did not know what a woman wanted. Most husbands say the same. Ready for it, guys? The answer is to be chosen, to be intensely desired, to be lusted after. A woman's primary need is to be desired. Amen to that, because how many of us men raise your hands uh, over our relationship have, have neglected our wives and have, again, focused on the job, focused on, you know, the sports event or focused on, you know, taking a poo more than we're focused on our wives. And that is completely and utterly wrong and ridiculous and something, you know, if you're doing that now, get a hold of yourself, you know, get it in change. Because if you don't, things will change the way you don't want them to change. Next, he says, the job of a parent is not to impose his or her will on the child, but to get the child to listen to his or her own inner voice. Inspiration, not just prescription. And again, I'm into that because a lot of times, especially today, children are programmed, literally. I mean, people see them, you know, parents see them, schools see them as a clean hard drive, a new computer, and it's time to just fill that hard drive with what they want that computer to be, not what that soul, what that spirit is meant to be. And that is a tragedy because we have literally generations and generations of children and adults who are completely and utterly lost Next, he says that the real source of all true longing is the human desire to attach ourselves to something infinite. And that's a very deep one. Let me read that again. That the real source of all true longing is the human desire to attach ourselves to something infinite. And that's we all feel that hole in us, right? That hole inside us that can, no matter what we buy, no matter what we read, no matter what we study, no matter what, whatever, is never filled. It's insatiable. Why? Because it's that longing for home. It's that longing for the divine. A divine that is already part of us, that we just haven't rolled over and seen and woke up to. And we've talked about this on many shows, and we'll continue to talk about this as long as I have breath in life <laughs> on this show, is that, you know, that which we seek is already within us and without us. It's inside us. It's outside us. It's everywhere, literally. The creator is everywhere. If you're looking for God, you have no further need to look any further than to look in the mirror, look at your loved one, look at your dog or your cat, look at the table in front of you, the electricity flowing through your home, your job, everything is and is from the creator. Again, whatever you want to label that, which is beyond all labels, insert your label here. But for the life of us, we don't think it's that. We've been programmed that it's not that easy. It can't be that. It can't be that simple. It absolutely is. So we have to work on cleaning our hard drive, getting that old information, that old programming, that old conditioning off and putting on this new information, which really isn't new information. This is information that we were born with. We just have to awaken to it. All right, my brothers and sisters, I will pause here for now. I so hope and pray you have enjoyed the show on Rabbi Shmuley. And again, Rabbi, if you're listening, 
<laughs> yeah, what's the chances, right? Uh, hey, miracles happen, all right? <laughs> if you're listening and you would like to do a show with me just to chat, I would love to do a show. And please feel free to reach out to me at faithandmorepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you again, folks. Stay tuned. Don't turn off the show yet because we have uh, prayers and prayer updates as well as a closing prayer and blessing coming up. This week's prayer request and updates are as follows. We are still continuing to pray for Denise, who is having all sorts of health and physical, mental, emotional issues. Please keep her in your heart, thoughts, and prayers. Nicholas, I do have an update on Nicholas. Um, he does have to have a valve repair, but he cannot have open heart surgery because it is too risky and he will surely die in the process. So his mother and doctors are diligently working on finding hospitals that will take him that are doing a study on a, a less invasive procedure on, I guess, going through the groin or something like that and going up into the heart uh, or going through the, your side and going into the heart to uh, repair that valve. So I will definitely keep you all updated. Please keep him in your heart, thoughts, and prayers, as well as his family. Haley, who has terminal ovarian cancer, um, she had a decent week, uh, still very tired, and you know, but she was in pretty good spirits this week. Um, at least that's what was portrayed um, on TikTok uh, through her husband's filming, uh, her husband Taylor and her four-year-old son Weston. She's spending as much time as she can with, uh, with Weston and trying to soak up as many moments as possible, as well as hoping that uh, at the age of four, he will remember as many of the moments with his mom as possible. Uh, next is Maudie, who had a heart transplant uh, just over a month ago. Uh, Maudie is doing okay. As far as health goes, she's doing good. She still has some issues here and there. The thing is now that she's dealing with his financial issues, her heart transplant and two-month stay in the hospital was a million dollars. And I think that's pretty good because um, my quadruple bypass and mitral valve implant um, in 14 days in the hospital was a million dollars. So um, there's still $400,000 of that million dollars, $1 million that her insurance is up in the air about on whether they're going to cover it or they're going to kick it back on her. So let us please keep her in our heart, thoughts, and prayers. By some financial miracle, all of this is taken care of, and it's something less that she has to worry about, and she can continue to focus on her health and recovery as well as her family. Uh, still prayers needed for Stephanie, Sarah, Kia, Elaine. Uh, Bob got great news this past week. He had his CT scan Tuesday and Wednesday. He met with his oncologist and there is no um, growth in the thyroid glands. So he is doing great. He goes back in May for a follow-up. So please keep Bob in your heart, thoughts and prayers that he goes into total remission and stays that way. Prayers continue for Clyde, Lana, Megan, Molly, Gwyn, Octavia, Trish, Chad, and their family, Brother Ashley and his family, Brother Abel, Mike S. and Kelly, uh, my brother Michael, Sister Tanya, Cheryl, Elijah, his grandmother Janet, Andrew, Father Mike, Eddie, Eddie's mother, Becky, Emma, Jean, Kathy, and Tony, Michael T., Kyra, Courtney, Jan, James, and Linda. Oh, and one more, Terry. Can't forget Terry. Um, everybody, please keep all of these amazing and wonderful beings in our brothers and sisters in your heart, thoughts, and prayers. And if you are in need of prayers, please, please, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. My contact information is coming up here in just a moment at the end of the show and is at the end of every show. And now our closing prayer and blessing. Let us pray. In nomine divi filii spiritus sancti, impart the spirit of your holiness upon us so we may cleave unto you and crave you always more and more. 
and raise us from degree to degree so we may come to the merit of our holy fathers, mothers, and saints. May their virtue help us, and you will hear the voice of our prayers. So we will always be answered when we pray unto you for us or for any one or many. Do save us from envy of one another and let no envy for others come into our hearts nor our envy of others. Rather, let our hearts see the virtues of our friends and not their faults. And let us speak to each other in a way that is seemly and worthy before you. And let no hatred rise in one towards another. Grace our ties of love to you as it is known to you that all will be bringing contentment unto you. This is our foremost aim, and should we not have the wit to aim our hearts to you, you will teach us so we may truly know the aim of your good will. And for all that, merciful and gracious Creator, we pray before you to accept our prayers with mercy, good will. Amen. I so hope and pray that you've enjoyed the show and that you found everything that you're searching for here and more with us. Please feel free to stop by anytime, all the time. You are family. If this show has helped you, please, please, please share it with as many people as possible. Also, subscribe, rate, and review the show on whatever format you listen to. That helps move the show up in those formats so when someone does a general search, they're more likely to find the show. And if the show has really helped you and you have the means, please consider making an offering. Offerings are a great way to help sustain and improve the show, as well as the Faith and More ministry. Offerings can be made through the Cash app. The show's cash tag is dollar sign Faith and More, or you can find us at cash.app forward slash dollar sign faith and more and don't forget about our youtube channel it's a fun place folks you can watch videos of weekly ask angel questions where people write me and ask me questions and i respond uh, on youtube you can also watch me do bi-weekly sermons and homilies also audio of our shows are uploaded to youtube where you can listen and much much more just go to youtube.com forward slash at faith and more podcast next is prayers i love to pray and our faith and more family love to pray so let us pray for you there are two ways to do this the first is to email me directly at faith and more podcast at gmail.com the second way is through our website there is a form at the bottom of the website and the website address is faith and more podcast dot forward slash my dash site. And there are always links to all of these things in the show notes for and description for each show. So until next time, have a blessed week and know that each and every one of you are in my heart and in my prayers. Bless you. <music>